Today we're talking about divinity and the humanity of Jesus. Now, someone might think, well, why is this a big deal? Because everybody should know that Jesus was both God and man. But you see, it's really not that straightforward. It's not that straightforward because one of the arguments that people have against the divinity of God and the fact that Jesus is equal with God is statements that Jesus himself made in the Bible. And we're going to go through some of those statements during the course of tonight's uh, Bible study. One of such statements is when Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour of the, uh, of the Son of Man's return, that not even the angels in heaven, not even the Son of Man himself, but my Father who is in heaven. And so because of such statements, people have actually tried to say, well, even Jesus, you know, um, even Jesus did not consider himself equal with God. And other statements that Jesus made in the Bible, like, you know, my father is greater than I and things like that. And, you know, these are valid points because on one hand, we're saying Jesus, the son of God, Jesus is God, Jesus is equal with God. And then on the other hand, we are seeing a lot of these scriptures that uh, Jesus is trying to imply that, okay, um, me and God are not so much the same, like... Uh, He's greater than me. There are certain things he knows that I don't know. There are certain secrets he has that I am not privy to. And those are some of the things we're going to trust God to help us reconcile everything tonight. First, we're going to try to establish the divinity of Jesus and then we'll take it from there, okay? Let's take our first reading from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. I know we did, uh, we talked a lot about this, or a little about this when we talked about who is Jesus, but for the sake of what we are doing again tonight, we're going to have to go through it. So we'll start from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace so this is a prophecy about jesus christ in the old testament and it calls him the mighty god the everlasting father okay so you can't get any scripture that is going to be clearer than this that jesus is god it even calls him the everlasting father so this scripture is telling us that jesus and the father are one and the same person okay now let's take a look at uh, three other scriptures titus chapter 2 titus chapter 2 and verse 13 it says looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this scripture calls Jesus our great God and Savior. And then when we go further and we look at John chapter 20 from verse 26, John chapter 20 from verse 26 
The Bible says, And after eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my lord and my god okay and jesus said to him thomas because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed so thomas called jesus my lord and my god and jesus did not rebuke him and say hey you know there is only one god i am but a messenger i am only a prophet no jesus did not say anything like that jesus actually accepted it from thomas that he was both lord and god Okay, and then when we look at John chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Okay, talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word of God and the Bible is clear that he is God. And then when we look at, um, is it John, John, chapter, John chapter 7 now or John chapter 9, I can't remember, where Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and said, before Abraham was, I am. Okay, I am was what God called himself in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses asked him, said, Who should I tell the children of Israel has sent me? And the Lord said to Moses, Tell them I am that I am. Tell them I am has sent you. Okay, so um, these are scriptures. And when Jesus told the when Jesus told them that before Abraham was, I am, guess what happened? The Bible says that they picked up stones to stone him because they said it was blasphemy, right? Why would it be blasphemy except he was actually declaring that he was equal with God? Okay, so these are clear scriptures. I think I've given us at least four to prove that Jesus is indeed God. But then we begin to look at other scriptures in the Bible that calls him the son of man, other scriptures in the Bible that calls him the Son of God. And then you begin to ask, how can he be God and Son of God at the same time? How can he be Son of God and Son of Man at the same time? You know, and these are very, very, very valid questions. And so tonight we're going to take out the time to reconcile all of these uh, discrepancies. Permit me to use that term. On earth, Jesus was God in status, uh, and I'm going to explain this, but not in function, because Jesus was limited by his earthly body, and I'm going to explain this. Jesus, yes, was always God, 100% God, 100% man, like, like we always like to put it, right? Jesus was 100% God, 100% man. But Jesus actually never functioned as God. He never actually functioned as God. In his earthly ministry, Jesus functioned as a man. All through his stay on the earth, he functioned as a man. And I'm going to show us proofs. Now, when I say he was God in essence, but he wasn't God in function, I don't know how many of us have seen the movie Coming to America. Now, Hakim was a prince right he was always a prince he went to the u.s to study well not really to study he went to the u.s because he told his dad like you know you know you want me to get married i've not seen the world i need to experience the world allow me to go out there and so he went there 
presumably on a student visa and they were living in just a regular apartment where students would live and he was living a regular life like everybody else and uh, he even took a job where they were you know selling groceries in a store and he was mopping the floor okay now although the guy mopping the floor was always a prince in essence but he wasn't a prince in function why was he not a prince in function because he was limited why was he limited two reasons by choice and by reason of the visa that he was on he came in with a student visa he will not be granted any diplomatic privileges because he came in on a student visa the same way jesus was limited for two reasons by choice and i'm going to show us a scripture for that and because of the visa that he came with what is his visa his flesh his earthly body so jesus was biologically limited in his uh in his earthly walk and earthly ministry now let's take a look at a scripture that we are going to uh you know build a lot around in philippians chapter 2 from verse 5 it says let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus who being in the form of god did not consider it robbery to be equal with god but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross okay so jesus made a decision to suspend his divine privileges so everything that jesus accomplished on the earth he accomplished as a man otherwise it would be fair it would be unfair for him to say as the father has sent me so send i you it would be unfair because like no man the father sent you as god we are just but men okay it would be unfair for him to say um if you believe in me greater works than this will you do you know but jesus actually functioned completely as a man everything he did he did as a man so so like like i use the illustration of coming to america hakim was a prince he abandoned those privileges came to america or went to america rather and you know acted like everybody else and submitted himself to the elements and to the laws and and everything like that so i think that is a very good illustration of somebody who um, abandons their royal privileges and decides to go somewhere else and just blend in okay now how is jesus the son of god i i, I explained i started by explaining how jesus is god how is jesus the son of god he is the son of God because his father is God. How is his father God? His father is God because Jesus in the flesh had to come through a mother. Now, if you notice, the son of God title is not one that is used a lot in heaven concerning Jesus. It's not one that is used a lot in heaven concerning Jesus. Okay, Jesus is the son of God because he came in, into this world through a woman. And the Bible says that when Mary asked that, how shall these things be? And uh, the angel told her that you conceive a seed of the Holy Ghost. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So it is clear who his father, 
biological father. Yes. Okay. So if Jesus was going to say who his parents were, he would be very accurate to say, here is Mary, my mother, and my father is Yahweh, because Yahweh was actually the one who put him inside of Mary. That is why Jesus is the Son of God. It does not, the Son of God title is not designed to, to make him look or sound inferior. This is important because one of the greatest dilemmas with uh, one of the greatest issues with the Trinity doctrine is in trying to address this fact. Like, okay, um, Jesus severally said things about himself like he was subordinate. So there were people that I think even Irenaeus, one of the early church fathers, believed in subordination. Uh, he, he was a subordinationist. Subordinationists basically are people that believe, okay, there is the Trinity, yes, but God the Father is like the greater one. Uh, Jesus is subordinate to him. The Holy Spirit is subordinate to him. There's a problem with that because once we begin to look at it that way, then we become polytheists. We are no longer monotheists. We become polytheists. Polytheists basically are people that worship more than one God. Okay? Uh, but we are monotheists, you know? But we believe in the Trinity. And this knowledge is important for us to be able to reconcile all of these seeming discrepancies. Jesus is the Son of God simply because he was born of a woman and his father, for biological purposes, was God. I hope we understand up up to this point. Okay. Now, in John chapter 1 and verse 14, the Bible is clear that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And the reason Jesus is called the only begotten of the Father, please take note of this. Jesus is not the only Son of God. Okay? Jesus is not the only Son of God. In Let's take a look at something, please. We're going to make reference to it later, but since I am on this now, let's take a look at it. In Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter 3 and verse 38, talking about the genealogy of, of Jesus, when it gets to Adam, see what the Bible says. It says, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Okay, did we all see that in our Bibles? The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam. So, uh, Enosh was the son of Seth. Seth was the son of Adam. Adam was the son of God. So, the Bible is clear that actually not only Jesus is the son of God, even Adam is the son of God. Why? Because God, you know, God brought about Adam. God brought about Adam. But the reason Jesus is the only begotten son, Okay, John chapter 1 and verse 14 calls him the only begotten son. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus is the only son of God. We are all children of God. But Jesus is the only begotten son because he was the only one that was actually conceived and delivered. Okay, please understand this. He was begotten. To beget like he was born he was literally born okay so jesus you know the bible the, the bible is clear in the book of hebrews that god has appointed jesus to be the firstborn of many brethren so jesus is not the only son of god we are all children of god in every you know in every sense of the word children but jesus is the only begotten because he was the only one that was put inside a woman and was born 
Adam in Luke chapter 3 and verse 38 is called the son of God, but he wasn't born of a woman. So Adam is not a begotten son, although he is a son of God. Okay, so Jesus is the only begotten son of God. Uh, okay, so, um, and in, uh, in, in Luke chapter 1, let's go to Luke chapter 1 from verse 30. It says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. So you see, Jesus was conceived and he was brought forth. Okay. So some persons have tried to say Jesus is not the only begotten son of God. No, Jesus is the only begotten son of God. Let's not try and over-spiritualize it. This is very literal. Jesus was the only son of God that was conceived in a womb and brought forth that's why he's called the only begotten son adam is the son of god but he was made out of clay we are children of god but god did not put us in our mother's wombs our fathers did okay so and verse 32 says he will be great and will be called the son of the highest okay he will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. So, uh, and then during the baptism of Jesus, we know that a voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Recently, I made a post on Facebook and a friend of mine that is an allergy was quoting the Quran under my post. You know, the, the Muslims believe that Jesus, God said, be, and he was, okay? Uh, they don't believe that he's the son of God because they say, the Quran says that God, Allah has no wife. How can Allah begot, beget? Say Allah was not begotten and he cannot beget. And I'm like, it doesn't make sense. You say Allah is all powerful. How come he needs a wife to have a son? Okay, it, it really doesn't make sense. And the truth is a lot of their arguments don't make sense. And they allergy quoted that part of the Quran under my post. And I told him, I said, don't get into this debate with me because you are going to lose. And I think he taught himself some sense and he refrained from debating that subject with me because uh, the Bible is very clear about this. How can you believe that someone is born of a virgin and then you cannot believe that it was God that put him there? So Jesus is the son of God. So first we have established that Jesus is God. Now we are establishing that Jesus is the Son of God. Now let's look at uh, Luke chapter 4 verse 3. Basically, I'm just going to quote it, right? Luke chapter 4 verse 3 is where Satan told Jesus, If you are the Son of God, convert the stones to bread. Okay, so even Satan was aware that Jesus was begotten of God. Say, if you are the son of God, convert the stones to bread. And what Satan was trying to say was basically, if you are really the son of God, you should have some, some kind of powers to show. And we'll talk about that a bit more later. And then in Mark chapter 3 and verse 11, it's actually about uh, Jesus casting the devil out of someone. Or some, some demon-possessed persons that saw Jesus and said, Jesus, son of the living God, have you come to destroy us before our time? So Satan acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God. Demons acknowledge that Jesus is the son of God. We read in Luke chapter 1 and verse 32 that angel Gabriel told Jesus, uh, told Mary rather, that he will be called the son of the highest. We know during the baptism of Jesus Christ that God himself said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We know that during the transfiguration in Mark chapter 9, God uttered those words again and says, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. So the sonship of Jesus is an undisputed fact. 
We've established his divinity. We have established his sonship to God. Okay. But he is also called the son of man. And the reason he is called the son of man is purely for biological and political purposes. Okay. Uh, uh, even in, 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 in Luke chapter 1 that we read and verse 33, it says that God will give him the throne of his father, David. You know, it looks like, let, let's look at it again. Luke chapter 1 and verse 32. It looks like a contradiction, right? It says, and the, uh, uh, he will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. Okay. It says he'll be called the son of God, the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. It looks like a contradiction. You just said he's the son of the highest. Now you are saying God will give him the throne of his father, David. Is David God's grandfather? <laughs> you know? So these are some of those discrepancies that we need to reconcile. Um, but we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna sort everything out tonight. Now I wrote this down. Jesus had to be born of a woman to have human flesh. Please take note of, of the things I'm about to say. There are heavenly bodies. Angels have heavenly bodies that are not like ours. We remember in Genesis chapter chapter 19, in Genesis chapter 19, angels appeared to Abraham in the plains of Mamre. And guess what? Abraham made them lunch and they ate it. And the Bible also speaking in Psalm 78 and verse 25 about the children of Israel said that God gave them the food of angels. So angels eat. Angels actually have bodies. Okay, uh, angels went to Sodom and Gomorrah. They were looking like, you know, they actually had bodies that the people of Sodom wanted to, you know, wanted to sleep with them. All right, and that's why it's important we understand demons are not fallen angels. I I, I handled this in in one of the in one of the series we did pre previously in the creation and fall series. Okay, but for those of us that missed it, I just want to quickly say this: demons are not fallen angels. They are not fallen angels because if you look at demons and you look at angels, their modes of operation are completely different, completely different. Uh, demons possess people. Angels don't possess people. All right. Angels can function in a material realm. Angels don't need to possess a body to function in a material realm. Demons need to possess a body to function in a material realm. So demons can possess human beings. And if they don't find human beings to possess, they can possess animals. And that is why a lot of people hate cats because it looks like they are very easy for demons to possess. And owls and, and all of this, you know, it doesn't mean every cat is demonic. It doesn't mean every owl is of the devil but yes satan can demons can actually possess animals how do i know this in mark chapter 4 when jesus was casting out the devils from the madman of gadara he told jesus that the the the, 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 the spokesman of the legion okay legion means between five to ten thousand so that man had between five to ten thousand demons inside of him you know that would preach because it tells us our spiritual capacity for somebody to be able to accommodate five to ten thousand demons it tells it tells us how much our spirit can actually handle okay and and the the the, the demons told him that you know don't just cast us away please allow us to go into those peaks and Jesus said, all right, you can go into the peaks. And they, they went into the peaks and drowned over 2,000 peaks. Okay, but yeah, that is, that is biblical proof that, that 
demons can actually possess animals but you see the interesting thing there is the demons were pleading and said please don't just cast us out like we need a body to be able to find expression but angels are not like that angels are not like that if you see the bible the bible describes some kinds of angels cherubs seraphs and uh, and how they are some of them have six wings some of them have four wings some of them have two wings some of them don't even have toes they have like hoofs you know uh, some of them have four faces different but the bible is very clear about what angels look like angels are not or demons rather are not fallen angels demons are disembodied spirits okay now let's uh, let's continue so like i was saying that angels have bodies and there's a heavenly body apart from this physical body and i'm going to show the scripture very quickly about that first corinthians chapter 15 and verse 44 first corinthians chapter 15 and verse 44 it says it is sown a natural body it is raised a spiritual body okay you know what let's read from verse 42 to give us context let's read from verse 42 it says so also is the resurrection of the dead the body is sown in corruption it is raised in incorruption it is sown in dishonor it is raised in glory it is sown in weakness it is raised in power it is sown a natural body it is raised a spiritual body now see the last part of that verse it says there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body okay but jesus had to come with a natural body with a corruptible body we read earlier in 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 philippians chapter 2 from verse 5 where it says that jesus had to be subject to death and we're going to see another scripture that tells us that death actually had dominion over jesus okay that's another proof that jesus did not function on this earth as god because if he functioned on this earth and God, there's no way that death could have had dominion over him. Alright, so back to what we're saying. The Bible says that there is a spiritual body and there is a natural body. Jesus had to take a natural body. And I'm going to explain why he had to take a natural body. The Bible is clear that without the remission of without the without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Okay, so Jesus needed a body with, 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 with flesh and blood. Remember, when Jesus resurrected, he told his disciples, he said, Handle me, for a spirit does not have flesh and bone as you see me have. So Jesus died as flesh and blood, but resurrected as flesh and bone. So Jesus needed a body with flesh and blood in order for him to accomplish everything that he wanted to accomplish now uh the, the the thing is why jesus did not come with a spiritual body is because a spiritual body cannot be killed just like angels cannot be killed a spiritual body really cannot be killed so it would have been completely pointless since jesus came to shed his blood so jesus died flesh and blood he resurrected flesh and bones with a spiritual body with that with an angelic body so Jesus gives us a picture of what we are going to be like in the re- at the resurrection. We are no longer going to have blood in our bodies. The Bible says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. We are not going to need uh, uh, blood to give our flesh life anymore. We are going to be eternal life is going to be our blood. Okay, pretty much. Okay, so let's let's continue. So Christ needed a body like us. 
that can give physical death power over him. The body had to come through a woman, right? It had to come through a woman for Jesus to have legal occupancy on the earth. But a man was avoided. Why? Because men carry the seed. The seed carries the gene. The gene carries the generation. If a man had been a part of that process, automatically the sin of Adam would have entered into Jesus and that would have made him an unholy and impure sacrifice. God needed a pure and perfect sacrifice. Now let's look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. Romans 5 17. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as though as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's gift or through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. So Jesus come with the same template Jesus came rather with the same template as Adam. Pure, holy, innocent. Okay, and that is why he could become a perfect sacrifice. Now, I need to run because there's a lot of ground for us to cover. Why did Jesus have to die? I know it's easy. We can just say he died, you know, to save us from our sins. He died to. But when you look at it, really, God is God, right? He could have snapped his fingers and everything changes. Why did he have to go through the process of sending Jesus to die? God could have said, all your sins are forgiven. Receive eternal life. And we would have all received eternal life. But why did he really have to go through all that trouble? Now, I'm going to read this and then I'm going to explain it. God created man to live eternally. In his presence, God created man to live eternally. And So when God created man, he put in the garden the tree of life. And man was supposed to eat the tree of life. Funnily, man never ate the tree of life. Imagine that. They never ate the tree of life. It's the one God said don't eat that we ate. Let's not blame Adam because a lot of us are also doing things that God said we should not do. So I am very sure if we had been in the garden of Eden, it was only a matter of time. And the truth is we don't know for how long Adam was in the garden before he ate the tree. Ate of the tree. You know, the way the Bible puts it, it's, it's like God created man today created woman tomorrow the next day they ate the fruit and then that day he kicked them out of the garden but you know it's it's not necessarily that way it's possible man and woman had been in that garden for years before that thing happened it's possible i'm not drawing any conclusions i'm just saying it is possible the bible does not tell us for how long they were there but um i don't think it happened immediately like many of us would try to picture it like just happened immediately i am sure they had been looking at that tree for a very long time i am very sure they had been looking at it they'll eat other trees they'll look at it they say this tree is pretty why why does god say we should not eat it anyway anyway he knows better until mr lucifer came and said "Ah," as god said you know but anyway it's just my own my own thoughts so god created man to live eternally in his presence right but god also set a law that if you eat of this tree 
you will die and he didn't just say you will die once he said you will die twice let's look at genesis chapter 2 and verse 16 it's actually quite interesting what god said there genesis chapter 2 and verse 16 He said, and the Lord took the man, uh, sorry, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now there are two words there that mean the same thing. Surely means moat, die means moat. Moat means to destroy or to die, really. So basically, God said, In the day that you eat of this tree, thou shalt die, die. This is a double negative. Just like uh, there's another scripture, I'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. That's a double positive, okay? It's uh, where it says perfect peace, it's actually shalom, shalom. I will keep him in shalom, shalom whose mind is stayed on me. In this case, it says, In the day that you eat it, you will moat, moat. In other words, you will die, die. Now, why did God use two dies? You know, he was referring both to physical death and spiritual death. So the day that man ate of that tree, what happened was spiritual death happened instantly. But physical death took some years before it manifested. And this is the same thing that has happened in our redemption. The day we receive Christ in our lives, spiritual life happens instantly. But the physical life is going to happen at the resurrection. Okay? The same thing. Man ate the tree. Spiritual death happened instantly. Physical death took 930 years before Adam would die. 930 years before before, uh, physical death came into the equation. The same way, when we receive Christ, physical uh, spiritual life comes instantly. But it's going to, we don't know how long it's going to be, right? We don't know how long it's going to be. But our mortal bodies are going to be resurrected one day and receive uh, and receive spiritual, that spiritual body. We don't know how long it's going to take. But just like in the case of Adam, it didn't happen immediately. But it was the spiritual death of Adam that gave room for physical death to have uh, authority over him just the same way it is the spiritual life that we have that will give room for the physical life that we will receive okay so i was i was explaining something god created man to be god created man to live eternally before him created man to live eternally before him But God also said, the day you eat of this tree, you will die, die. You will die physically and you will die spiritually. All right? I hope that is clear. And then man ate of the tree. And so God was left with a dilemma. What's the dilemma? If I wipe out man and destroy man like I have promised, it would make me a failure because God created man to rule and reign on the earth. And now man is is, is in a permanently corrupt state. So pretty much man could not live in God's presence. And I am sure most of us here probably know this, that under the old covenant, the people that died did not go to heaven. They went to a place called paradise or also known as Abraham's bosom. This place was not in heaven. This place was in Hades. This place was a part of hell. Okay. 
they were in that compartment of hell but not the fire hell they were not under torment and all of that stuff but satan still had some form of control over them because they were spiritually dead but they were not being tormented if you remember the story of lazarus and the rich man the bible says that lazarus and the rich man could see each other jesus was saying this story now lazarus and the rich man could see each other and they could communicate okay it's impossible for people in heaven to communicate with people in in hell okay but they were in the same geographical location and they could communicate and the rich man said you know dip your hand in water and put in my tongue he said because in this place we are tormented but you guys are not being tormented but we are tormented all right and and lazarus said uh, and abraham rather said you know there's a gulf between us so that People over over your side cannot come here and people here cannot go there. But this is, you know, this is proof that even the righteous people that died before Christ went down. They went, they went down. They went to hell. Not the torment side of hell, but, you know, uh, it was, it was all a part of Hades. And if you also remember uh, the, the, the witch of Endor that uh, summons the spirit of samuel if you remember saul told her say what do you see she said i see an old man covered in a mantle ascending from the midst of the earth okay because all of them went down all of them went down okay so so it meant that because of the sin of adam man man could not be in the presence of god forever god could only enjoy fellowship with his creation while they were on earth and once they died uh you know they went to this other place and why why did god give the law god really gave the law so that he could prevent or he could help man rather uh bypass some spiritual laws that would hurt him that was why god gave the law the law could not give life the law could not give eternal life all of those people were looking forward to the coming of jesus christ the bible says in the book of hebrews that god ordained it that those people will not be made perfect without us okay so that was problem number one so god had to make a decision like okay do i uh (laughs) you know if if god kills man like he promised it means that mission aborted if god does not kill man it makes him a liar it makes him lack integrity and so the fall of man actually put god in a very tight spot and this is one reason god had to come as a man now when jesus died jesus solved the death problem he paid the price for death once and for all that's what the bible says he paid that price for death once and for all but it didn't stop there when he resurrected he gave us access to life okay um big man is asking that what is the after effect of spiritual death as we know in physical death the body decomposes the after effect of the aftermath of of spiritual death is eternal separation from god okay and part of that is what we call hell it's it's eternal separation from god i know people have tried to downplay hell and say hell is not necessarily fire and all it's just separation from god hell is separation from god but it is separation from god with fire so let's let's not uh, let's not get it twisted so um that that is the that is the aftermath of spiritual death it means that once we leave this this uh, physical world 
a spiritually dead person can never have access to God again for all eternity. Okay? Never, ever, ever again. So in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Satan was dealt a double blow, really, because the death, in the death, the, the system of justice was accomplished. It was fulfilled. Christ paid the price. That is the price. Christ paid the price. So Satan no longer had uh, the legal right to hold man spiritually away from God. So it was after the death of Jesus Christ that the people that were in the lower parts or that were in the underworld were released to heaven. And this is why Jesus would make statements like, um, you know, uh, no one has ascended to heaven except the Son of Man. You know, things like that. But, you know, that's what we're talking about tonight. I don't want to open that, that chapter. And in the resurrection... We receive life. Now, let's look at some scriptures as we try to wrap up. Hmm. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 from verse 24. Romans 4, 24 says, But for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, and was raised again for our justification. So Jesus was killed for our sins, but his resurrection was for our justification. And this is why the resurrection of Jesus Christ remains one of the most vital parts of Christianity because without his resurrection, there is no justification. Without his resurrection, there is no justification. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 19. Sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 17 to 19. It says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Can you see? Can you see that? If Christ is not raised, your faith is vain. So this scripture is telling us that. Our faith is hinged on the resurrection. So it's not just enough. And this is why you can't say we are Muslims serve the same God. No, we don't. If you say that, stop it. We don't. If you do not believe in the resurrection, we have a problem. Because the Bible is clear. And if Christ is not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are not ye are yet in your sins. So 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 redemption is hinged on the resurrection. And then it goes on to say, Then they also which are falling asleep in Christ are perished. Like there's no hope of, of life again. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And this is Paul trying to make a case for the resurrection. Okay, So the resurrection of Christ uh, is, is what determines our faith is what determines our justification and it is what also gives us hope for resurrection in in uh, um after this after this life or by way of the rapture okay now th there's the question i'd like to i'd like to answer this very quickly who actually raised jesus from the dead this is a very interesting question who raised jesus from the dead now let's take a let's take a look at let's take a quick look at some scriptures luke chapter 9 and verse 22 Luke 9.22 Jesus speaking, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. So Jesus here said he will be raised. In John 
chapter 2 and verse 19. Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. So here Jesus is saying he will raise it up. In the same John chapter 10 and verse 18, Jesus said, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So Jesus here, in two scriptures here, is saying that he will raise himself up. Destroy this temple and entreat it, I'll raise it up. No man takes my life from me, but I lay it down and I take it up again by myself. Okay, now let's look at another scripture. Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. It says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which god did by him in the midst of you as you see yourselves and also know and it goes on to say him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of god ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom god had raised up okay so Peter here is saying that God raised Jesus up. And in Romans chapter 8 verse 11, it says that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he will also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit of God which is in you. So even Paul agrees that God raised Jesus from the dead. So first we see Jesus saying that he will raise himself up. We have seen scriptures where it says that God raised Jesus up. And there are many scriptures like that in the Bible that says God raised Jesus up. And then when we look at 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18, 1 Peter 3.18 It says, For Christ also had once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, or brought to life by the Spirit. So, Peter, again, the same Peter in the book of Acts that said, that God raised Jesus from the dead is here saying that the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. So we see Jesus saying he will raise himself from the dead. The scripture saying God raised Jesus from the dead and Peter also saying that Jesus was raised by the Spirit. So for people that don't believe in the Trinity, this is definitely going to be a contradiction. Okay, but it was the entirety of the Godhead working on one simple goal, on one assignment, raising Jesus from the dead. And so you see the Bible uses it interchangeably, uses God. If you look at the book of Acts where the story of Ananias and Sapphira, you know, uh, 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 Peter told them, he said, you lie to the Holy Spirit. And then the next thing he talks about, you know, them lying to God. So God, Holy Spirit, Jesus are actually used interchangeably in this context. So who raised Jesus from the dead? Well, God raised Jesus from the dead. You're right. The Holy Ghost raised Jesus from the dead. You're right. Jesus raised himself from the dead. You're right. Because they are all one. Okay, so I've explained uh, the divinity of Jesus. I've explained the sonship of Jesus. Why is Jesus called the Son of Man? He's called the Son of Man basically because he came into this world through a biological system. uh, And his foster father and his earthly mother were both uh, uh, descendants of David and so he is rightly called the son of David. Now why did Jesus have to come as a man? Why did Jesus have to come as a man? Because it took a man to undo what Adam did. Okay, and the Bible is clear that without the sh- without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28 and verse 26 rather and verse 28. Matthew 26, 28. 
Jesus himself speaking, he said, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So Jesus needed that blood. Okay, the Bible says without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So Jesus needed to be flesh and blood for him to be able to do what he came to do. And finally, Jesus had to come so that he can be an efficient high priest. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, the Bible says that, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus is a faithful high priest and he is touched with the feelings of our weaknesses. He can relate with our weaknesses because he too was once in the flesh and he was tempted so he actually understands angels don't understand in the book of exodus god told the children of he told moses he said that angel don't annoy him because he will not spare you angels really don't understand why human beings can behave the way we behave sometimes but jesus does he completely understands our weaknesses and our frailties so these are some of the reasons why jesus had to come as a man now in closing i just want to reiterate certain points jesus on earth did not function as God. He functioned completely as a man. Now, I'll give us six proofs that Jesus actually functioned as a man. Number one, he needed the anointing to be able to function. In Acts 10, 38, the Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus needed the anointing. In John chapter 2, the Bible is clear that the first miracle that Jesus did was turning water to wine. Okay, forgot that infancy gospel of Thomas thing that is going around. That is where Muhammad actually copied the story of Jesus from, saying that uh, as a child, Jesus molded a bird and he breathed into the bird and the bird began to fly and stuff like that. Actually, they are actually claiming Jesus is God because only God can give life. All right. So it's a good story, just that it's not an accurate story because John said that the first miracle that Jesus did, he said this was the beginning of the miracles which Jesus began to do turning water to wine i choose to go with the bible the infancy gospel of thomas is a scam all right as a matter of fact the first manuscripts of it that they began to see was in the fifth or sixth century so it's a complete it's 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 a forgery and nobody should should believe uh you know should believe any of those things so jesus needed to be anointed to to do ministry before the anointing came on him before the Holy Ghost descended on him, he was not in ministry. And this was one reason people were surprised when they saw him. They said, ah, is this not the carpenter's son? Like, are his sisters not with us? We know this guy. Where did he get these mighty works? You know, if he, if he was always like that from childhood, the, the, Nazar- the people from Nazareth would not have been surprised. They say, yeah, we know him, that miracle walking boy. But they, they were surprised. They were like, ah, from where did he get these mighty works and this wisdom? And the Bible says they were offended because like, ah, we know you. You just traveled and came back and then suddenly you are saying all these things. Okay, so Jesus functioned as a man. Number two, Jesus got hungry uh, and he got thirsty. In John chapter 4, the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. He told the woman, give me water to drink. He was thirsty. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus was so hungry that he cursed a fig tree. Now, <laughs> I ate figs once in in Pretoria. I was with a friend of mine and he gave me figs. And when I tasted it, I I really didn't know when these words came out of my mouth. I was like, Jesus, why? Why? You know, because I tasted it. I'm like, wait, is it because of this thing that Jesus was so upset and he cursed a tree? Because it, it doesn't really taste that nice. 
it, it really doesn't taste that nice to be honest you know but jesus was very hungry and and he was disappointed when he didn't see food and he cursed the tree okay uh jesus slept in mark chapter chapter 4 we know that he, he was sleeping in the sheep the storm was so much and somebody will say that he was peace i think it was a very deep sleep okay uh number four jesus could be killed this is proof that he was a man number five jesus was not omnipresent he could not be everywhere at the same time he could not be everywhere at the same time number six jesus was not omnipotent he could not do everything why didn't he pray for the fig tree to have fruit or he could have stood where he was and ordered the fig tree to produce the fruits and the bible says that when he went to nazareth he could there do no mighty works because of their unbelief jesus did not know everything number seven jesus was not so jesus number five i said jesus was not omnipresent number six i said jesus was not omnipotent number seven i said uh, uh, i said jesus was not omniscient he didn't know everything and i want to show us uh, at least three scriptures to back this up let's look at mark chapter 5 and verse 30 mark chapter 5 and verse 30 it's talking about the woman with the issue of blood it says that jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him turned about him the, uh, turned him about in the press and said who touched my clothes jesus could have easily said hey woman come come you know or he said who touched my clothes because he wanted to know now jesus did not know also that the fig tree did not have fruits on it the bible says he went to the fig tree hoping to find fruits on it he did not know that the fig tree did not have fruits on it and that is the reality that's why he was so disappointed if not if he knew the fig tree did not have fruits on it went all the way to the fig tree and said why don't you have fruits on it no man will eat from you hereafter that would make him a really bad person because you knew the fig tree did not have fruits so why are you disappointed and let's look at one more Mark chapter 11, uh, no, not Mark eleven thirteen. Mark chapter 13 and verse 32. Mark 13, 32. Jesus speaking said, Of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. So Jesus is saying that, I don't even know the day that I'm going to return. And this is one argument that people have used consistently to say Jesus is not God. Because here he said, I don't know this thing. The Father knows. So it's either you agree that Jesus is not God or you agree that he is subordinate to God or the simpler explanation. Jesus was not functioning on earth as God. He was functioning as man. So in his human capacity, he did not have that information. Okay, in his human capacity, Jesus was limited by biology, just like each and every one of us are. And let's look at one more scripture to buttress this. In John chapter 14 and verse 28, I'd like to explain this very quickly because it's another argument that people use. Jesus said, Ye have heard how I said unto you, Go away and come again unto you. Oh, oh. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. Okay? 
um, he said, my father is greater than I. This is another problem. If you do not understand how to separate the divinity and the humanity of Christ. Father is greater than I. He was basically talking in, in terms of responsibility, not in terms of, uh, not, not in terms of personality. Okay. Him on earth, he was lesser than his father. Okay. It's like this. President Obama is greater than Mr. Obama. Is that a contradiction? No. As president, he has more responsibility. The terrain is different. As Mr. Obama, it's completely different as well. So Jesus was not functioning on earth as God. I'm going to get to your questions later. Let me just run through this. Uh, okay. Um, sorry about that. Okay, um, Nena, that's, that's a very good point. That is a very good point. Yes, Jesus is still a man because he earned his humanity, all right? And the truth is this. Um, he is still a man and he is going to rule this earth as a man. Yes, so you actually have, you actually have a, a, a strong point. He is our high priest in heaven. He is, he is a man. But the thing is that Jesus in heaven right now is also functioning in his divine in his divine office and with his divine abilities and with his divine capacities okay so that is the difference so that's why we say jesus is 100 percent man and 100 percent god so on earth he suspended his divinity functioned solely as an anointed man but in heaven now he has embraced his divinity and he is still functioning as a man that lived a purposeful life and did everything that God ordained for him to do and did not fail God at any point. That is why God has highly exalted him. The highly exalting of him is the man of Jesus, not the God of Jesus. So Jesus is the most exalted of all men, but he's still God. He's still one with the father. Yes, we can still refer to Jesus as the Son of Man. Uh, we can still refer to Jesus as the Son of Man. He's the Son of Man. It's his title. He's the Son of God. It's his title. Um, you know, let's read uh, Daniel chapter 7. One of, the prophetic, uh, one of the prophetic visions that Daniel saw about Jesus, he referred to him. He referred to him as the Son of Man. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13, it says, I saw the night visions in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. So this is a vision of Jesus and Daniel referred to him as the son of man. So the son of man is also a divine title, just like the son of God is a divine title, just like Jesus is Yahweh and Jesus is Elohim. And Okay, so but but why is all of this important? Because most likely in your life, when you witness to people, you are going to be confronted with some of these questions. Is Jesus God? So why does he say things like, my father is greater than I? Why does he say, say things like, no man know where they are? When you are able to compartmentalize it, that when Jesus was on earth, he functioned as a man, not as God. Yes, he was God in essence. Sorry, if Jesus functioned as man on earth, when did the concept of the Trinity start? The concept of the Trinity started even before Jesus, even before the incarnation of God in Jesus. The concept of the Trinity, like I showed us the, the last, uh, I think, three, 
sessions ago, um, started right from even Genesis chapter one and verse one. In the beginning was the uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, you know, and the earth without was without form and void. Okay, and uh, uh, and then in verse is it verse 20, 26 now twenty six and twenty seven, God said, the, the Bible says God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness that is the that is the first you know place where you find the concept of the trinity god said he didn't say let us make man no he didn't say i want to make man in my image and my likeness he said let us make man so he was talking in plurality in our and then he didn't say images he said image and in our likeness okay and jesus we know in in colossians chapter 1 verse 15 that he is the image of the invisible god so when god was saying let's make god let's make man in our image and in our likeness was pretty much saying let us make man to look like jesus okay but the, the concept of the trinity existed even before jesus was manifested in the flesh Okay, Temitaya is asking the angels that fell with satan what will we call them we just call them fallen angels okay the angels that fell with satan are called fallen angels that's that's it they are still angels just like satan is still an angel the bible calls him twice in in uh, ezekiel 28 and in isaiah chapter 14 thou art the anointed cherub so the bible still refers to him as a cherub the bible still refers to him as an angel okay so fallen angels i think a very good example will be the prince of persia okay but also in the book of revelation the Bible talks about four angels that are currently bound at the river Euphrates that are going to be released in the last days. And when they are released, they are going to kill one third of the earth's population. Okay, so there are some really dangerous out angels out there. Uh, angels have fallen at different points. It's not just the ones that fell with Satan. They were the ones that fell with Satan. Uh, they, they were the ones that fell on their own. In Genesis chapter 6, the angels that came to sleep with women are different from the angels that fell with Satan. These ones fell much later. The angels that came to sleep with women were kept there as watchers. Okay, but they decided to take advantage. They took their bodily form. Remember I said angels have bodily forms. They can, they can uh, express themselves in the material realm. They took on bodily forms, came and slept with the daughters of men, and then gave birth to giants. Okay, um, so fallen angels are fallen angels. We don't need to give them any other kind of names. They are just, they are just fallen angels. That's what they are. Okay, big man is asking. Um, you just mentioned Prince of Persia. A prince is different from angels. Princes are angels with a rank. Okay, in the book of Daniel, even uh, Michael is called a prince. Michael is called the prince over the nation of Israel. So, princes are like uh, angelic rulers. Okay? They are, they are angelic rulers. They are, they, are, they are not just angels, but high-ranking angels. Okay? So, um, that, that is what prince, prince really means. And uh, Jesus said that the, the prince of this world, some other translation says, the ruler of this world is coming, but he will find nothing on me. Okay? Okay? Uh, First uh, Corinthians chapter two from verse eight, Paul said, "Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory." Okay, so the princes are like the ruling powers. The the prince of Persia was the one over the Persian Empire, and in that same scripture, the angel was telling Daniel that after the prince of Persia leaves, the prince of Grecia will come. No, they are not archangels. They are not necessarily archangels. They are just. They are just uh, people that have been given control over a region. They are just rulers. Okay, Michael 
is given control over Israel. That's why he's called the prince over Israel, okay? But in the book of Jude, he's also called an archangel. So it happens that Michael is an archangel, but he's also the prince over Israel. But it doesn't mean that all the princes are archangels, okay? Okay, big man, you're asking what's the difference between archangels and princes. Archangels are, de are, are de determined by God, to be honest. I, I don't know what uh, what 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 makes them archangels but of course uh, they are high ranking angels they are the highest ranking uh, of of the angels okay and of course maybe because of the level of authority and control that god gives them princes on the other hand are rulers on this earth in the heavenlies okay like i said maybe they are given a particular region to govern and so these these are called princes they don't they are not necessarily archangels the bible is clear that michael is an archangel he just happens to be the prince the ruling spirit over israel the bible says that we we wrestle not against flesh and blood but principalities okay prince principalities prince principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places so there are hierarchies Okay, so high-ranking uh, uh, high high-ranking angels, whether falling or or not falling, or whether falling or standing, okay, that are given control over a particular area are princes. Just like we have kings and princes, okay, we have people that just like that, okay. But it doesn't make them archangels; it just makes them high-ranking angels. But in the case of Michael, he is the prince over Israel, but also an archangel. And I believe that God put an archangel over Israel because of the prophetic significance of the nation of Israel—not just the people of Israel, but the land of Israel as well. Okay, so God had to send one of His highest-ranked angels to to be over, you know, to be over Israel. If there's any other question, please let's um, let's attend to it. But I I hope I hope we we really got something out of this today, and uh, we 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 can now boldly and clearly separate between the divinity and the humanity of Jesus Christ. Because I have seen and heard these questions asked many times, especially by Muslims and atheists: Is Jesus God? Did Jesus know everything? Could Jesus do everything? You know, um, it's it's important we get the perspectives right so that we don't mix things up. Because if you insist that Jesus functioned as God on the earth, you are going to have a problem answering some questions. Why didn't he know some things? He himself said he didn't know some things. Why didn't he know those things? Okay, but he suspended his divinity. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 from verse 5 to 9 is very clear about that that Jesus suspended his divinity suspended those privileges and came as a man and humbled himself and put himself under the dominion of death he had to do that to be able to die if Jesus had come in his godly form death would not have been able to kill him and it means that he would not have been able to do what he came to do he had to put himself at a place he had to degrade himself to a point where he could actually die so that we can get to a point where we can no longer die amen so adam died twice spiritual death happened immediately physical death happened almost a thousand years later jesus died 
and we now have life when we receive him we receive spiritual life immediately but the physical life is going to happen much later when our bodies are renewed and we receive glorified bodies the bible says then corruption will put on incorruption and then we'll be the same okay oh death where is your sting oh grave where is your victory okay death will be swallowed up in victory by the way i don't know why people quote that scripture when somebody dies it makes absolutely no sense the bible says the sting of sin is death or this uh, yeah and 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 the strength of sin is the law or the sting of death is sin uh, am i mixing up what anyway death just killed somebody and they are saying death where is your sting grave where is your victory doesn't make any sense we can't quote that scripture now it's later when we have our new bodies that is when we can say death where is your sting grave where is your victory like we'll be taunting death and the grave because they will no longer have any power over us